In my 30 years of covering college sports, I would describe the coaches I have to deal with as overwhelmingly professional and agreeable. Kind of like most of us deal with reasonable people most of the time in life, unreasonable people only occasionally. The people who are the worst who are those who are unreasonable on a regular basis. We're probably all unreasonable once in a while. See, we give each other the benefit of the doubt. And if I had to describe most people I know, it would look much like how I describe most, most coaches I know. As the ACC guy, I have interviewed truly every ACC basketball and football coach of the last 30 years. And I've actually interviewed many of those from even prior to when I started covering the ACC in the late 1980s. So I've interviewed Jimbo Fisher many, many times. I know what he's like. I would put him in the bottom 10%, not the bottom 1%. The bottom 1% are truly bad people, jerks on a regular basis, borderline evil. Like in life, the bottom 1% just don't get it. Jimbo's not in the bottom 1%. But on this show, for example, the top 1% would be David Cutcliffe of Duke, Ruffin McNeil, formerly of ECU, others that you have gotten to know as a statewide audience, in part because of what they have shared of themselves and their careers and their philosophies way beyond football or basketball. They'll always be the top 1%. They'll always be the bottom 1%. There is an 80% in between that's just normal, not spectacularly great, not unusually bad the 80 percent are just professional and polite and they come on the show when we ask them and we ask hopefully interesting questions and they give hopefully interesting answers and we all benefit from those Jimbo's a bottom 10 percent guy he's wired in a very selfish way he has a disrespect for the media that borders on Trumpian type levels and that is a little bit hard to get past if, you know, you're a member of the media, especially one who built a career of distinction covering the ACC to the point that in our case, we had the best-selling college sports magazine in the history of the world. And in most people's eyes, that deserves a little bit of respect, right? So you fight through those things with the bottom 10%. But it's with that context that I evaluate Jimbo Fisher's shots at the school that paid his salary for the last 11 years, Florida State. First as an assistant to Bobby Bowden, the last eight as the head coach of the Seminoles, won a national title there, won three straight ACC titles there, 0 2012, 2013, and 2014. Seven straight years of finishing the top 25 before this year's crash to 6-6. Six and six. When you or I are evaluating our own job situations, most of us ask some version of the questions that coaches ask themselves. Are you paying me fairly? Are you treating me fairly? There's absolutely positively no doubt, as you just heard Jimbo Fisher, shots fired at Florida State, right? You can't accomplish anything if your administration doesn't see your vision and isn't willing to give you the resources to back up that vision. More on that in just a little bit. Are you paying me fairly? Just for context, keep this in mind. Florida State had paid Jimbo Fisher unequivocally like a national championship coach the only three coaches paid significantly more money no i'm sorry four coaches four college football coaches were being paid this past year significantly more than jimbo fisher was being paid at florida state the idea that he left for money is true 
in a narrow sense. He got $75 million guaranteed over 10 years. That deal has never been given to any coach in college sports history. Not with all $75 million guaranteed the way he got it at Texas A&M. So, yes, he did improve his financial situation. But the idea that Florida State neglected him is an outrageous misrepresentation. Nick Saban was being paid more at Alabama than Jimbo was making at Florida State. That makes sense to all of us, right? He's a multinational championship guy. He might be the greatest college football coach ever. He's been there. He's done that. He's proven it. He's earned it. Of course, Nick Saban, he's still, even, he still makes more at Alabama than Jimbo is going to make at A&M, and that's how it should be in all of our eyes. Dabo now makes more. Well, Dabo lately has been better than Jimbo. Dabo is also a national championship coach. Dabo has his three straight ACC titles, except they're the last three, rather than Jimbo's back in 12, 13, and 14. Dabo has earned more than Jimbo. Jim Harbaugh was lured to Michigan away from a very successful tenure in the NFL. If you want to compete for the talents of an NFL-proven successful head coach, you got to come up with some jack. And that's what Michigan did for Harbaugh. You could argue they're not getting your money's worth, but whatever. To lure him back to college, you better be ready to back up the Brinks truck. Michigan did. Harbaugh was making a little bit more than Jimbo. And the only other example of making significant more is Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Again, that's not only a national championship coach. That's a multinational championship coach. Jimbo was in the top five. Jimbo was fairly compensated at Florida State. You're paying me fairly is the bottom line to part one of this story. As he took those shots while accepting the Texas A&M job at that opening press conference, he treaded down the road of you're not treating me fairly, Florida State. And that is a different question. It's more complicated than how much are you paying me. Or do you have outdated football facilities? Do you have an insufficient recruiting budget? Do you have an insufficient assistant coaching budget? Do you have too many personal appearance requirements from your school? What, whatever. There could be a lot of things involved there beyond your bottom line compensation from the school. The way I've dealt with such things at a much lower level, once I got to the career where I was not, you know, just gathering quarters and nickels just to pay the monthly rent bill, when I got to that point where I was more in demand, I gave my potential employer two options. You can share all of your financial information with me. Show me where I fit into your economic engine. Show me some of your revenues, how I'm helping, to what degree I'm helping, and we'll come to a common sense evaluation of what I should be compensated. Or you can say, you know what, DG, this is my company. I don't have to share any information with you. I take no offense to that at all, at all. But you have to pay me 50% more. And anybody who thinks I'm exaggerating, you don't know me very well. I have owned my own business. I had my own successful law practice. I had my own successful sports magazine. I had my own successful sports website. I get paid lots of money at speaking engagements, et cetera. I didn't need a job. So, okay, you're not willing to show me your finances? My price just went up by 50%. No offense, you don't have to show me, but my price just went up by 50%. Why? Because I don't know what's behind the curtain. My time is valuable. Others are showing me where I fit into their economic engine, and it's really easy for me to negotiate with them. It's really easy for – I'm not outrageous with my requests or demands. 
I actually negotiate things in a matter of minutes sometimes when you're willing to show me your books. You want to play Mr. Privacy? My price just went up 50%. Some people think that's obnoxious. I think that's the smart way to do it. It has served me really, really well over the years. Jimbo Fisher at Florida State knew all the parameters, all of them. He knew that he was paid fairly. He knew that even though not all of his budgets were as big as Alabama's budget, he knew that while some of his facilities had fallen behind, say, Clemson's facilities under Dabo, that they were still, relatively speaking, some of the better facilities in all of college football. And he also knew that he was working for a university that, relatively speaking, is not the wealthiest university out there. You have to either be the guy who says, we're going to walk down this path together. I am going to open my eyes to the fact that Texas A&M is one of the wealthiest universities in the United States of America. Not an exaggeration. And that Florida State was once a women's college and was so for a nice chunk of the 20th century. And as such, doesn't have nearly as much money as Texas A&M or Stanford or among Ivy League programs like Harvard and Yale and, and other MIT, Princeton, et cetera, those schools that don't play football at the highest level. He knows that Florida State is not as wealthy as a university. He knows that Florida State does not reel in $200 million in revenue in the athletic department the way Texas A&M did just last year, number one in America. You're either the guy who's less selfish whose eyes are open to the bigger picture and they're very real. They're not making this stuff up. You can see the numbers on the spreadsheet. You can either be the guy who in life or in sports, it is never enough. You just got a brand new indoor football practice facility four years ago. Like the paint is barely dry. You can either try to bleed more blood from the stone at a less wealthy university, at a less wealthy athletic department, or you can appreciate the brand-new indoor football facility at an expense of $15 million, almost 100,000 square feet of college football extravagance. They have upgraded the football facilities to include a player's lounge, New locker rooms, new meeting rooms. You can play table tennis at the FSU football facilities. You can play in their arcade. You can play with their pool tables. You can even enjoy a movie theater that has luxury leather seats for your comfort and enjoyment. All of that was upgraded during Jimbo Fisher's eight years as the head coach of the Seminoles. Top five or so compensation package at the less wealthy school that has other sports that they have to take care of as well. And those, among other football facility upgrades, just in his eight years as the head coach. Florida State paid Jimbo reasonably. Florida State treated Jimbo reasonably. reasonably. And at Texas A&M, at his introductory press conference, he had to double down. It hurts that school and its fans enough, most of them, that you're leaving. You had to double down and complain about your mistreatment when, for the last eight years, you should know better about how well you were treated given Florida State's resources and given the breakdown that I just gave you. Some people just don't get it. 
In Jimbo's case, he'll never understand the media. He'll never understand how far Florida State went to treat him fairly financially and otherwise. In life and in sports, there are some people who will just never understand that their center of the universe complex is a horrible character trait that makes it very difficult for you to see the bigger picture. Florida State fans have a right to be upset with the way Jimbo Fisher is portraying how he was treated in Tallahassee, and that's something that you should add to his resume as you contemplate his time at Texas A&M as well. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Kevin Donnelly is going to join us in about 20 minutes on all things NFL. Daniel Wallach is going to join us on the U.S. Supreme Court case that could change legal sports betting in the United States forever. Time for your phone calls on the other side. I have more on the crazy Jimbo Fisher situation fsu to try to keep jimbo happy kept pushing off and pushing off and pushing off upgrades to their baseball facilities and they have a very good baseball program they kept pushing off and pushing off and pushing off upgrades to their basketball facilities until a few years ago they finally did i think it was 17 million dollars in renovations to the tucker civic center florida state bent over backwards for jimbo fisher financially and otherwise, and he's still complaining about it. I'll bet you some of you describe your ex-spouses that way. It was just never enough. That's how it is with Jimbo Fisher as well.